Hello and welcome to Thoughts on the Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn. It is uh, good to be back on another live stream. Last couple of weeks we've had some pre-recorded interviews, but my next guest uh, is a brave man, likes to do things on the fly and see how they get on, so <laughs> uh, I'm happy to do it that way as well. Um, Tony Haggerty from A Celtic Way. Tony, how are you doing? I'm very well and absolutely delighted to be on a platform with your good self again. Been a while since we did these things on a Friday. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, actually, on Fridays were always special with yourself, myself, and Jamal. So I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, so thank you for the invite. Really appreciate it. And I hope you're well. And it's good to see you again. Uh, it's, it's great. Well, I was actually thinking, I was driving home from, yes, I do have a day job. I'm not a YouTube millionaire quite yet, but you know, <laughs> on your way. Let's see what happens. I was. <laughs> I was driving home from work trying to think about the last time you and I would have been on air together uh, for people to talk about, and it must be a couple of years at this point, I would say. Yeah, easy, a couple of years, because must I've, be something been, around it. I've been doing my job for about two and a half years, Laura, so yeah, it would be easily that, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, because yeah. We, I think we were. So probably even longer, actually, that's yeah. crazy. I think we were on the pod for a good year and a half together, weren't we? Something like that, give or take. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, on the Fridays. So, yeah, so I think it's been a, a two and a half years. It's certainly maybe longer than that since we were last together. So, lovely reuniting tonight, a reunification. So, I'm all, I'm happy about that. Indeed, indeed. Um, it's great to have you on. We're going to talk, obviously, a bit about Celtic, obviously a little bit about the goings-on at the club at the moment. We're kind of in limbo at the moment between the winter break, get back in, into the Scottish Cup against Bucky Thistle next week. There's supposed transfer rumours, some of which you'll know a bit more about than I do. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But one thing I wanted to talk about first is, um, I don't know if anybody who's watching follows me on Twitter, but I um, put, a, put a tweet out the other day saying, this is my favourite Celtic photo of all time. And it was the famous one, Paul McStay, hands aloft, um, uh, I think in front of the Broomlone end at, at Ibrooks, um, 2-0 March 1980, or 2-1 March 1988, him and Andy Walker scored. Um, and it's a very sort of meaningful photo for me. Paul McStay is my oldest brother's favourite player, 1988, for anybody who didn't know, is the year that I grace this earth with my presence <laughs> um, and it's just a it's just a fantastic photo in terms of the emotion that it it brings about. Tony I'm going to ask you about a couple of pictures that I wanted to talk to you about but talk to me about that picture first of all that that Paul McStay one the famous one he, he actually emulates it a few years later in the 90s kind of same thing but that one in particular the unbridled joy in his face is I'll unbelievable. I'll tell you where I was Laura I was in the enclosure that day, I never missed a game mm-hmm. in the centenary season. There you go, there's Celtic Da reference for you. You, you were born and I was <laughs> 16, doing my old grades. And, uh, yeah, me and my friends, there's about three or four of us, would go on the Colbride Celtic supporters bus, known locally as the bingo bus, because you weren't allowed to do certain things on it. It was well run. It was a brilliant bus. <laughs> and uh, that was my first real season of going to watch Celtic as a bona fide supporter and. We never missed a game. We would go to you know, get the corporation bus to the Celtic Park and queue up at five, six in the morning to get tickets for Pataudry, tickets for Ibrox, all that kind of stuff. So we were in the enclosure that day in the days when you know Celtic took up a lot of Ibrox. You know, there was the great, a great joke by one of my dad's friends who got Rangers supporters on strings one year and said to them, name the three things that have filled Ibrox to its capacity without one seat, spare seat. And he had them on string for weeks. It was Rod Stewart, Simple Minds, and then the final one was Celtic, and they were absolutely raging. So, that <laughs> <laughs> was, was the kind of guy he was, uh, absolutely brilliant. And, uh, yeah, so I remember that. I remember that moment as well, a brilliant game. And I've spoken about this on other platforms, but that particular game was the focus of the wonderful tribute that Scotsport did the next day called In Praise of Caesar. You can get it on YouTube. It documents the centenary season. And there's a, bu- a brilliant musical montage through it. And then they do a big focus on on that game. And that was the kind of game that more or less clinched the title. And it's a wonderful way. Uh, it's a wonderful tribute to that team. 
and uh, that was the, you know, the the we don't stop mantra from Ange. That 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 was long before Ange came in the centenary season was full of them. There's a Joe Miller goal at Dun Tannadice Dundee United last minute goal Celtic one two one Boxing Day nineteen eighty seven. Still not seen it. I don't know what happened. Oh well, not happened. The ball went in the net, but <laughs> <coughs> I was involved in a massive crush falling downstairs and it just fell and. You know, but you knew it had gone in because the place was just erupted in Bedlam. But I don't think there's fewer better sights than seeing someone like Paul McStay, who quite rightly is in the greatest ever Celtic all time eleven, the Maestro. Not called the Maestro for you know for no reason. He was and is a lot of uh, Celtic supporters' favourite footballer from that era. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I've argued about world-class, the phrase world-class in the truest sense of the definition and, you know, you can argue the toss whether you think Paul McStay was world-class or not I'm I'm not so sure but he was a phenomenally gifted and talented footballer and maybe suffered by the fact that he was a one-club man and probably could have and should have Mm -hmm. took his talent to Italy when he maybe had the chance I think he would have thrived in Italy, but he, he was just a one-club man and he, he, he loved Celtic so much and stayed, what, 1982-97, 15-year service he gave. So, But he's, he's fondly remembered, and I, and I think that night at the Hydro when he was voted in the, the team, you, you could tell every member of the team the greatest ever Celtic eleven. They were just so honoured, and I, I think that speaks volumes and says it all. And everybody has their Paul McStay memory. That photo is just... Utterly sublime. It's a, it's a brilliant snapshot of time and uh, a great result uh, for Celtic that day. Uh, at Ibrox and, and that team are just, you know, cup, cup, uh, league and cup one and double team in the centenary season. You know, you, you can't write that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, this is the pleasure of having somebody like Tony on the podcast, guys. Tony did not know I was going to ask him about that particular photo <laughs> or that particular match, and he's been able to go on for, what are we, seven minutes into the stream, and uh, I've not had to utter a word, so this is going to be a, a fantastic hour. Thanks very much for the people who are watching. If you're watching afterwards, uh, get down below, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified when a new video or um, we go live. Um uh, Thoughts in the Hoops is rapidly growing, much to my delight, and uh, I'm really pleased to be back talking Celtic with people like Tony um, and anybody who's in the comments, let us know. Um, Tony, uh, we've talked about the photo that I love. I just love the sheer unbridled joy uh, on on Paul McStay's face. There's, there's one other person who you think of well, there's a few, but one comes to mind when you think of the sheer unbridled joy of what it means to be a Celtic footballer, and it's this man here. I'm just going to put him up on the screen. <laughs> uh, Bertie Olds, now I asked you, um, at the beginning of this week when I saw the tweet was going uh, going, going far and a lot of people were seeing it, I said, um, Tony, give us a couple of your favourite photos because I knew I'd have to give you a few days to narrow it down. And you sent me that one uh, first and foremost, I think. Um, Talk to me about that photo. Why, of all the Celtic photos that we saw from people all over Twitter, um, all the ones I could have picked, all the ones you could have picked, why did that one come first and foremost into your mind? Because he's Mr Celtic. Everybody loved Bertie Old. Everybody's a Bertie Old story. And I find it hard to talk about him. I think that burst at Greeting because he became a really good friend. And... Mm -hmm. uh, I once said he, Bob Monkhouse was the million joke man. Bertie Hall was the million story and song man because that's what he got every time he were in his company. And I, and I, I said I wrote an obituary on the, on the Celtic Way, kind of a, a, kind of a piece just when, when, when he passed, sadly passed away. And I said the Pope played to 250,000 people in Bella Houston. Bertie Hall did more fans than the Pope. Mm-hmm. He just knew everybody, and you couldn't walk down the street without. And and I'm talking about supporters from every every era, right? He straddled the past. He was a link to the future, and you know when he was just present. When you when you were in his company, you just didn't want to leave. He was just a wonderful human being. And I said he bestowed the gift of Celtic to everybody who would listen, whether they wanted it or not. And that picture, there should be a statue of that outside on the Celtic Way somewhere. 
that's just Gallus, right? That is Glasgow Gallus. He was from Mary Hill. He was never arrogant, but he was Gallus. Mm-hmm. And that's that's after the beaten Don Revy's unbeatable Leeds United. Celtic beat them twice. 3-1 in aggregate to advance to the 1970 European Cup final. And the hat, the ball, the Leeds United top over the, the bare chest. And I also wrote in the, the piece under Gallus in the dictionary, it should say see Bertie Old. Because he was just, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. And I, I've said this for ages, and I really do want Celtic to make this happen. I want the tunnel to be named after Bertie Old. I want it to be called the 1030 Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Because two of the greatest stories are about Bertie in the tunnel, singing the Celtic songs they emerged at Lisbon, mm-hmm. and telling John Gregg, you know, John Gregg saying, what bonus are you on? And he said, a tenner. To beat, uh, to beat Celtic, and Bertie Old said we're on a fiver, you know, and 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 uh, John Gray was a we're on a tenner, and Bertie said to him, my fiver's guaranteed, you know. So that kind of stuff, just sharp wit. He was, you know, he was uh, a wonder, a, a wonderful human being, and I just that picture, it makes you smile. Mm-hmm. Just everything that's brilliant about Celtic, it's just what one of the clubs. Uh, Greatest footballers. He was a fantastic footballer. He was a fantastic human being, a fantastic man. And it's just like we did this, you know. Look at us, you know. Look at me. And I, I just think that that kind of, you know, and the statue of Big Billy with the European Cup. John Clark once said to me, it's one of the most iconic photos, sporting photos, and images ever. And it is. And you know, lots of people would probably pick that. But I just think a wee bit outside the box, a bit like Bertie, I guess, in that sense. And that photo to me is just it's it sums up Celtic. If it's not at Celtic Park, it should be in Mary Hill when he was born, you know, somewhere. And as I say, I, I still want I want the kind of this is Anfield feel to the Celtic Park tunnel. I want the ten thirty tunnel entertain, you know, my fivers guaranteed the words to the Celtic song, just things that Bertie said. I'd love that. And I I, I think it'd be a, a fitting epitaph to uh, as I say, Mister Celtic, and uh, I wrote as well. He, he always said that he always greeted me, Tony, my son. That's what he, Tony, my son. You know, and that's you know, just when you get friendly with these guys, the, the humility of them. You know, you just look at them and you think you played for the greatest Celtic team ever, mm-hmm. uh, and and it'll never be repeated what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, the quintuple people talk about they won the trail, they won the quintuple, they won everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Yeah, and I just I envy my dad at times because he got to see these people, you know. And I wrote about it in the book about introducing them to Bertie and Bobby, and and he was like, "I know who they are, son." You know this book right here with that that book right there, yeah. And it was one of the greatest privileges of my life. I said, if I never do anything again in football journalism, I introduce my dad. My dad did, you know, two heroes in life, football heroes. One was Bobby Murdoch, and the other was. Jockstein, you know, mm-hmm. Bobby Mother was his playing hero, Jockstein was his man's hero, hero, but he loved Bertie as well. He loved that team. He loved he just loved being around that era and I and I and it's something that I always envy my dad about and older people who were there and lived through that. I just think uh, you know, you feel blessed and privileged, and I've felt blessed and privileged whenever I was in his company. We would do Q and A panel nights, you know, and I'd be sitting there with like Bertie Old, Jimmy Johnson and Bobby Murdoch. You know, as I said before, three European winners' medals and a Scot- Scottish Cup select runners-up medal from 1983-84 Be- between us. You know, and I'd look up the table and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Why, why am I here? But, you know, so through that, you got to be friendly with them and they were just wonderful, wonderful men. And as mm-hmm. I say, humility and just everything that was great about Celtic Football Club. And I, I learned a lot from them. I learned, I learned humility, certainly, as a trait from them. And... I, uh, you know, and I just adored them and I adored that man and I adore that picture because it doesn't cease to make me smile, you know, and it's just just the epitome of we did this gallusness, Glasgow gallusness, and, and I did it playing for Celtic, you know. It's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful picture. Amazing, amazing. Just a couple of comments coming in. Um, Tony, Tam Max, sorry, says, <laughs> uh, oh, man, so cool to see you guys together again. The, the feeling's mutual. Um so Hamish Brooks says he'll heal as well. So it's good to see people in the comments. 
um, and people joining us, um, we are thoroughly enjoying ourselves. I have to say, I'm loath to do it because the man does enough of it himself, but um, our former collaborator, Jim Orr, I believe is um, staging another few performances of yeah. Bend It Like Bertie at the, mm-hmm. at the Pavilion, I believe, Pavilion, in Glasgow. Yeah. I went to see it about a year ago this time. Can't recommend it highly enough. Fantastic, fantastic show, especially if you're a fan of Bertie. And there's a wee surprise at the end for anybody who's not who's not aware. I'll not spoil it, but um, certainly stick around for that if you do have tickets. If you don't have tickets, I don't know what the situation is on on availability, but certainly, uh, certainly try and check it out if you can. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the Bertie old picture that I love. I saw that and I thought it was great, but as somebody who didn't know him as a player and kind of knew the Bertie old with the silver hair and the and the jacket and everything like that, the one you know the one I'm going to say, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one of them banging on the windows with the <laughs> of, of the the box he was in or whatever. Absolutely loving the fact it must have been Rangers we were playing to get that kind of reaction out of him. Yeah. But even even in his later years, even with. Um, any ailments that comes with the age that he managed to get to Celtic brought out the best in him and that that picture epitomises it as well Yeah, he just loved uh, representing Celtic and he was the greatest ambassador for Celtic both on and off the field you know, there's YouTube footage of uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan and Bertie Old's company and Ronnie O'Sullivan just in awe of this man Ronnie O'Sullivan's a, been a world snooker champion many, many times and he, you know Bertie has a meeting out his hand. He was he's just in total awe and mesmerised by this force of nature. And he has a force, you know, he has a force of nature. He's just he, he's great company. And uh, you know, and it doesn't matter who he was speaking to, Bertie, you would end up doing two things. You would end up laughing and you would end up singing. That's a wonderful gift to bestow on the world, but bestow on anybody. And most of the time he would be, as I say, Bestowing the gift of Celtic upon you. If you weren't a Celtic supporter, so be it. You might have been by the time you left Bertie Old. And if you were a Celtic supporter, then you, you could speak to him all day. I mean, I think his wife would say that he used to be murdered going round the shops because a 10 minute journey would take like 10 hours. Because <laughs> he just couldn't go anywhere. And he was adored. He was loved by everybody eh, from opposition fans as well. And nobody, as you know, people say, oh, you know, they die and people say never had a bad word to say about, you know, a particular person. But I never had anybody speak ill of Bertie Old because everybody in football circles just, just loved him. And and I think yeah, that's that's a wonderful way to be remembered. And that photo just, as I say, makes me smile. It's, uh, it's you know, uh, you challenged me big time by picking photos. I couldn't narrow it down to one. I had to pick two, but uh, it was... You know, I, I just thought I'm going to include that one because yeah. of the, the personal personal thing as well. Just the fact you got to know him and my mode of employment gives me that privilege at times to meet special people. And he's a special person who I dearly miss, but I, I always fondly remember. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's funny. I never had the, the privilege or pleasure to, to meet the man and yet I miss him as well because he was just so so that way inclined and I do get the feeling and I get the impression. I, I, I had a friend from school who did one of these um, charity things and, and Bertie was his manager for the day and, and he <laughs> says, you know, exactly what you're talking about. You obviously had an opportunity to meet him on multiple occasions and build that relationship with him. But the magical thing about him was he could make you feel that way if you met him once. Yeah. And that and that was absolutely unbelievable. But um listen, there's plenty of places you can hear Tony Haggerty wax lyrical about Bertie Old. Um and we've just added to a plethora of of um of audio and written word that's out there. I'm gonna to get to the second picture, but I just want to embarrass you a little bit, Tony, by telling you a wee anecdote of my own. Go on. I've not said this to you now. We at the last time we were on <laughs> screen together, like you say, was at least two and a half years ago. So we've known each other for going on three, four years at this point. Yeah. But I have to admit, the first time I ended up on a show with you, I thought to myself, Tony Haggerty, that sounds like a familiar name to me. And Paul John at the time says, I he, He's a journalist, you've probably read his stuff. And I thought, 
No, but like I really think I feel like I can see his name. And do you know what it was? I used to be when the term was still allowed. I don't know if it is still allowed these days, but I used to be a Saturday girl at a pharmacy and a supermarket in the town that I grew up in. And as was the case, the older guys in the in the workforce would buy a paper for their tea break or whatever. And by the time I got to work on a Saturday, there'd be a stack of them from throughout the week. Mm. Uh, invariably, the daily record was one of those papers. And I always, always, always read one guy's articles. And I couldn't remember for the longest time who it was. <laughs> and then I thought, geez, that's Tony. I used to read his articles every Saturday without fail. That's to the great. point where I would go through, however, I don't know however many you used to publish a week, but I would go back through and like read your article from the Friday and your article from the Wednesday and your art throughout the week. And I thought, I'm going to wait till I'm in front of a public platform to tell him that just to give him an absolute ready. You can feel the redness coming, <laughs> you know, coming across my face. But no, thank you so much. That's that's really kind. I mean, that's what a compliment that is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think uh, I've seen you before. It's my love of the written word. You know, whether you speak in Swahili or, and I use the term in the in the way it's meant to. Whether you bastardise English language, which I've done many times <laughs> in my career, and been told that I have did it many times in my career. So, but you know, I, I was always just fascinated by. You know, Arthur Montford and Archie McPherson, these guys growing up who would paint wonderful pictures of football. And then, like you, I would read the Daily, the Daily Record. You know, I've always said that in football parlance, Celtic are the only club I ever wanted to sign for. The Daily Record was the paper that got delivered to the house. Daily Record was the only paper I wanted to write for. People have their thoughts on that. But as a kid growing up, it meant the world to me. And that was my kind of, you know, view you know, my, the kind of, uh, I would get that the, the record and read it cover to cover, all the sports stuff. And I read about all the teams, Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Dundee United, St Martin, because they were all hearts. They, you know, these clubs are always in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I was always fascinated by that and how they got on and stuff. And I, I just consumed it. So, you know, Alex Cameron and Ian Broadley, guys like that, uh, growing up, were just, you know, these were guys that I really admired. Michael Vanney, you know, we just never touch him. I say that every day I wake up and I aspire to, you know, get near him. <laughs> As Matthew McConaughey says, like he's hero, you're never getting close. <laughs> <laughs> now and again, you kind of strike the right chord, but I've always said that I was speaking to kids at Glasgow Clyde College, not kids, but first year student, second year student at Glasgow Clyde College not that long ago, and I said that to them, wake up every day and be the best journalist you can be, mm-hmm. and then the day after do the same thing. And by the end of the week, you'll be a better journalist than you were on the Monday. And I've always tried that. And I, and I said, and Michael Vanny's up there. I said, so you reach there all the time. You'll never get there. But if you keep reaching, one day you might <laughs> you know, you get there and your, your fingernail slip down, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, and, I, and it's the biggest compliment in the world when somebody DMs you and says they've read your book or like you've just said there that you read my stuff because I... I've always said that I I hope that the pleasure and the passion that I derive from watching football, not just Celtic, but all all football and all teams, comes through in the right, and that's what you hope. And uh, lots of people have kind of said that to me, and I, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate. It's not handy to you. you. You work hard to achieve these kind of positions in life and to do what you do for a living. But you know, I I, I never lose sight of the fact that it's it's a wonderful uh, position to be in, and when people are complimentary, it is the it's the most humbling thing in the world. And you, you know, bow your head and just say thank you. And as I say, that I didn't know that that's something that I didn't know that you you read my stuff in the record. And uh, yeah, I uh, not many people can give me a red face at times, but certainly uh, you know when we've had head to But no, it's uh, as I say, it's 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 wonderful to hear that. It's just. It's very, I don't know, and it's not false modesty. You just, it's not the reason you do it. You do it because you love football. And as I say, I, I've always loved the written word since I was a kid. And I say, I'm still, I'm still mastering English, Laura, and I'm, 
No, and I've got someone said it's my father said to me, You've got a brain, but you've not mastered it. I'm still mastering that too. And <laughs> I'm still fully evolving as a person and I'm fifty one years old. So but yeah, I uh, so I'm always a uh, and I always treat things, I try and treat things as as honestly and as humorously as possible. I, I don't take myself that serious and I, I like to think that all these traits are one been written in the books and two come through when you're writing them and you're talking on podcasts and because it, it's enjoyable you know i can't understand there's you know the footballers will tell you that football players play football but they don't actually enjoy it mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people in the writing profession football writing profession that write about it but maybe not necessarily derive the same enjoyment that i do or you or i do from it so I certainly enjoy it. Doesn't matter if you're writing about Cowden Beast Celtic or as Bill Shankly once said, Glenn Buck Cherry Pickers, it doesn't matter. You know, you've you've I can always see some kind of beauty in whatever football match you're at. Might be the worst ever game you've ever seen, but there's something there that you have to cling on to that thinks that you'd rather write about than the drudgery, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And for anybody who doesn't know, my, my camera's flipped round, but um, the, the book is called uh, Going to Geezer, <laughs> Your Goal, Mister. That's the first one. Uh, I don't have the other one to hand. Uh, it's called Going to Geezer, Lift Door, Mister. They're, they're, yeah. they're fantastic books for anybody who wants to reminisce or understand a little bit more about how Tony got into the industry that he's in. Um, he's with some guy on the front. I don't know who that guy is on the front, um, but he's some guy on the front of the book anyway. Um, that's not the picture we're going to talk about, though, the next one. You've mentioned the two people in the next picture, yeah, which says everything about why probably why you picked it. But I'm just going to pull it up here. It is, of course, um, the wonderful Bill Shankly and Jock Steen um, talking about something or other. I don't know what. I would love to know what, but it's a it's a cracking picture. Obviously, um, captured at a time when it wasn't phones everywhere. There's somebody been walking around with a camera at that point. Just happened to capture this moment between two of the greats. Tony, why, why apart from the obvious, did that come to mind as a picture you love so much? Look at that picture. Just look at it. Mm. You people say as a general rule of thumb, I'd love to be a fly in the wall. Oh man, I, j- there's just so much football knowledge, wisdom, and just two wonderful men. And don't forget, these two guys built the equivalent of the modern day superpowers that are their football clubs mm-hmm. in Celtic and Liverpool. And not only that, I, I always say I was born in the wrong era. It's one of life's regrets that I never ever got to sit in a press conference with these guys. I, I'd have loved to have done that. I wouldn't have said anything, I would have buttoned it. I would have just listened intently to what they said. And another reason I picked it is Jock Steen's my dad's football hero, end of. He adores him, he loves him. And so he kind of, from an early age, I was very aware of Jock Steen, but I was also very aware of Bill Shankly. And Bill Shankly was the only manager that went to watch Jock Steen Celtic play in Lisbon and came away with that famous phrase, you know, John, you're immortal now mm. when they won the, the European Cup. And, uh, you know, two great friends, two Scottish guys, and alongside Matt Busby, who also built Manchester United. But those two guys in particular, I, I love Bill Shankly's humour, his witticisms and, you know, his quotes. He can quote them all, all day long. And I just love to have been there, as you say, and just, you know, I would have just gazed in awe at the two of them. And I'd love to have just for just once, you know, you know that you can, if you could bring five people to a dinner table, I think they would be certainly be, be two of them. My dad would be another one, actually, fun enough, because he wouldn't want to miss it. Uh, you know, that can, and also that picture, there's a story to that picture as well. Now, Raymond Sparks, the football agent, was mm-hmm. doing a, a degree and he had to uh, do, as you know, a dissertation. And so he, he was in Manchester and it was prior to my wedding. And he phoned me and he said, I need your help. I want you to guide me through this process, talk me through it, come round and, you know, mark his homework, basically, type thing, before <laughs> he t- took it to his tutors and stuff like that. And so I said, you sure if I could be of any assistance, I'll, I'll try. He says, well, you've been through the process, you know. So I said, fine. So he drafted me and my, my wife in as well because she had some technological skills that Raymond needed as well. 
So we did and we, we helped him through the process. He, I mean, he wrote it, he had to do this, he, it was his work. No, but we sort of guided him through it and connected his homework, as they say. And as a gift for our wedding, Raymond bought our wedding rings, but he also gave me a framed copy of that picture to give to my dad. Wow. Which wow. was uh, a wonderful gesture. And uh, it sits in my, my mother and father's room. My dad's got a week in a, a room, a small box room, and he's got lots of Celtic memorabilia and that. And I was really touched by that. Uh, it was really it's a wonderful thing to do. And Raymond passed his degree and dissertation got a really good mark so we were all happy with that so uh probably won't thank me for saying it but no I, and you know uh i was really humbled by that it was a it was a, a a beautiful thing to do you know purchasing the rings would have been you know a present enough and i didn't really i, I didn't want them to do that but he, ins he insisted and then he produced uh, that and said look here's another thing for you give that to your dad because i know how much these two guys mean to him and and I was like, ah, oh, that's really kind. So that that picture, I just, I think, if memory serves, somebody will maybe correct me, but I think it was taken when Celtic played Liverpool in the Cup Winners' Cup semi, 1966. I'm sure that's where it's from. It's deep in the uh, bowels of Anfield somewhere, I believe. Well, I would I would think, uh, listen, do you know who we need to get on the case here? We need to get Alan Morrison on the case here <laughs> because he'll probably be able to tell us how many times Liverpool and Celtic have played each other and <laughs> what the scores were yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm sure if we do a little bit of digging, we could probably narrow I'm, it down. I'm, I'm sure that's where that's from. Uh, that picture's from uh, Celtic lost 2-1, I believe, but they had a perfectly legitimate goal disallowed. Lots of Celtic supporters of a certain vintage will be able to tell you that. I think Bobby Leonard scored that, if memory serves. Again, somebody will be able to tell us. But yeah, and just because that picture has got two of my dad's heroes in it, that well, he's ultimate hero, but he, he loved Bill Shankly too. And as, as a student of football, you know, you cannot be a Celtic supporter and not come across these two men mm -hmm. uh, whose kind of lives and careers are kind of interwoven and it's just such a fascinating story in that brilliant film the three kings that johnny owen did about the three miners as i say who built their football clubs fantastic Un unbelievable you know that it's just something it's it's from you know it's a it's from a, a bygone era isn't it really these guys but they're such giants in the history of their respective football clubs and uh yeah just i just wish i, I had the I would have been like a little kid if I'd ever sat in a press conference with Jock Steen. I'd have ran home and chapped my dad's door and said, guess who I spoke to today, guess who I spoke to today. You know, I'd have been desperate to tell him. And uh, yeah, uh, I uh, I lament the fact that I was a journalist just after these the, these guys had their day and had their time. I, I would just, I would do anything to quantum leap back and just sit in, you know, and maybe even, I don't even think I'd have been brave enough to ask them a question. I'm sure I would. I'd probably get flung out for just being, for opening my mouth at an opportune moment. But. Well, I don't know. I don't know that it's quite on the same scale, but I do remember going to a, a post-match press conference when Ange Postacoglu was in charge. And uh, yeah. at, that, at that time, it was significantly close enough to covid that it was all being done pitch side at celtic park at the time and, <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff and it was kind of each person for themselves each man for themselves as they say um and, and i shouted Ange, <laughs> and much to my surprise i don't know what i expected to happen but he turned around and looked straight at me and um not to go into too much detail but i swiftly had to go and change my underwear because <laughs> uh, i absolutely cacked my pants um and then i had to remember that i had to actually ask him a question but um Tam has commented, that's pure class. That story was absolutely unbelievable. And talking of um, Liverpool, um, I'm trying to narrow it down in my head, um, but Tony and I appeared uh, on an Axom Friday Club. It must have been April 2021. Um, uh, Tony uh, quoted the, one of the finest pieces of football commentary I've ever heard in reference to the the Hillsborough disaster, yeah. and I'm actually getting choked up thinking about it now. If anybody wants to you sort of soak themselves in a piece of football in history and exactly how it made people feel and how it made people react at the time, go back and watch that episode because, listen, 
I think you brought a tear to the Jim Orr's <laughs> eyes, which is not not uh, an easy feat. And um, yeah, yeah, it was just it, it was just one of those things where even though we were on a Celtic podcast, even though we're on a Celtic post- podcast now, there is this inextricable link between the two clubs that just brings them all together. I think it just caught a moment in time and I was just off on a maze, wasn't I? I was off on a solo run and I just kind of kept talking, I think, kind of, I could be last for about five minutes or something, like six, seven minutes. And I, I didn't intend to do it because I was talking about Kenny Douglas as well, who, another hero. And, uh, I'll just always remember Jim Orson when it finished. How do you top that? How do you follow <laughs> that? Was what he said, you know. And and I didn't mean it to be that way or to turn it into some kind of competition. I, nothing was further from the truth. It, it was just the, I think the emotion that everybody feels in regards to Hillsborough and there, but for the grace of God, go I and you, we, you know, we've, we've all been to football matches and. You know, we've all, we've all, we're all still going to football matches. We've all came home, and, and I just it, the poignancy of it all. And yeah, I, I still get people who stumble across that uh, particular broadcast saying to me, "Wow, you know." And it, my old man's always said to me, he "said when you do these things, he, says, he, he, he he's in awe of the fact that you can think off the top of your head." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and he said, he said that day in particular, he says, wow. He, he was just sitting there saying, wow, you know. And I think, I don't think in terms of whatever I do on a podcast again, I, I don't think I'll I'll catch that. I will not say it was Marco Vanni esque, but, you know, sometimes you, you approach it. You I know, don't know, it was pretty close. You, you pretty get in the, the proximity, you know, in the same ballpark, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, and the very fact you brought it up and you remember it, and lots of people do, and I always say it's always very touching when people get in touch and say, you know, they maybe stumbled across it and, and it was, uh, they, they enjoyed it. And I, I but as I say, I, I, I find it, I don't find it difficult dealing with it. I always, I'm always very humble and I say thank you and all that. I just, it's not, it's not why you do it, mm. you know, and, and you forget. I forget now, I'm talking to you, but you forget that there's people watching, you know. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think if you thought about it too much, you would uh, you would freeze, you know. So you just try and be yourself. And that this is, this is basically who I am, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and speaking of which, we do have people watching us tonight. We will have people listening to us after this goes out on um, all the podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel. Depending on where you watch, if you watch on YouTube, if you watch, if you listen on the podcast apps, subscribe or follow whatever you do listen to us. Help us get the numbers up and get the podcast out there. Um, I'm hoping that in doing that, I'll be able to talk to you a lot more about Celtic and talk to guys like Tony about Celtic because I'd really thoroughly enjoy it. The fact that so many of you would choose to spend even a portion of your Friday night watching us, um, I guess it's I guess they're getting a bit of experience of what we think when we see Shankly and Steen talking they're, they're actually getting to be the fly on the wall here yeah. um, <laughs> not quite not quite but we'll uh, we'll see where Shankly and Steen but yeah <laughs> hinge and bracket maybe I don't know <laughs> dumb and dumber maybe I don't know aye, dumb and dumber aye correct aye, you can choose whatever one you want yep indeed uh, more coming not wise <laughs> Um, but honestly, um, it's fantastic to have you all watching and listening. Fantastic to have Tony on here. Tony, we'll close out the show talking a little bit about um, about the current state of affairs at Celtic. And for anybody who wants to know more on Tony's thoughts, you can read his output on the Celtic Way and you can watch on the Celtic Way YouTube channel. I believe you guys have a, a daily video on there or, or videos a few times a week on there. Yeah, daily well. video at 10 o'clock and obviously the website, which you can subscribe to www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe if you're that way inclined. So thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I do for a living. Some, somebody says, what do you do for a living, Tony? And I said, well, uh, I talk uh, rubbish about Celtic and I write rubbish about Celtic uh, on a daily basis. So that's kind of, uh, that was kind of the simplistic uh, definition of it. But yeah, you just kind of immerse yourself and everything that's happening at the club and you try and make sense of it all and then you give your opinion both 
in the podcast forum and in the written forum. So the the role of a journalist, sports journalist, football journalist, call it what you like, writer, has changed. It's metamorphosed in the four years since I've left the Daily Record, and you know, so lots of skills now that are attached to my job title, which had you said to me four years ago you would be doing, I would say no. Uh, no, I won't. I would glad, I would gladly hand the baton over. But I, I I've adapted. Uh, I did say, I said to one of my former colleagues, you, you adapt or die. So mm. I decided to adapt, and I'm a far better journalist now than I was four years ago. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you a little bit about that because obviously, being a Celtic supporter and now appearing on and writing in a, a Celtic centric platform like the Celtic Way, that must come a lot easier to you even with your experience than than maybe it did previously do you notice a big difference in the way that you either have to address stories or seek out stories when you're talking about Celtic a club that you love compared to when you were more generally talking about Scottish football I am basically saying did you have to did you have <laughs> did you have to pretend you liked Rangers <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always said to people, see when you're dealing with a particular club, you're locked in, mm. right? So if somebody said to me, Tony, you're going to a Rangers press conference today, you immerse yourself on the latest at Rangers, mm-hmm. the last few results, who's scored, who's injured, who's coming back, whatever. So that that was that was your task. So I was always... Uh, so when they, whenever they said to me, you're covering Rangers or covering Celtic, I was always like, yes, here we go. But most of the time I, I spent covering like likes of Hearts, Hibs, Kilmarnock, Motherwells, uh, of this world, Dundee United, and, and, and those kind of clubs, uh, what you would maybe label the provincial clubs. But, but I loved it. I just loved mm. being involved in football, Laura. So uh, on the on the odd occasion when they would say, you're going to Ibrooks for a presser today or you're going to Celtic Park, I loved that even more. I mean, I loved mm. going to Celtic Park. When they tossed you a spangle for those who <laughs> spangles uh, back in the day, and say you're going there, and I'd be like, "Yes, here we go," you know. And uh, I've I told, I always tell people, I covered three Celtic Rangers games in my career at the record. Celtic won a lot of them, six two and three nothing twice. Uh, one of them at Ibrooks, the Liverpool game at Ibrooks, where he scored twice, the six two demolition derby, and the three 0 when Alan Thompson scored the free kick. Top corner, so. I think I get barred from covering Celtic <laughs> just games because I was a lucky charm for the old le- the leather belts, the Marjorie Proops, uh, uh, you know what I mean? So, yeah, the fuzzy felts. So I think they were like to me, no, you're not going because uh, Rangers always get beat. So read what you want into that, I jest. But I did, <laughs> I did cover three and they won three, you know. And and uh, and it, when Henrik Larson left and had to do the 242 goals, describe every one of them for the pullout, I mean, that was a labour of love. Mm. You know, I, I, I locked myself away for like two months. You know, I, I was going into work, but that was my job, Tony. Just right, and and the and I tell the story in the, in the second book. The the editor, the sports editor, was a guy called Ian Scott. Mm-hmm. He was a big Rangers man, and he said to me, "Do this." He said because he'll love it. And it turns out he did love it because he signed it for me and all that, and I've got it on, you know, signed and uh, laminated and stuff. And, uh, you know, and it, at a moment of ESP, Ian walks round the table, he's coming towards me, and I, and I just go, you know that way you read somebody's thought bubble? Mm. And I said, no, nah, I, I can't do that. that, that's no fair. And he went, you don't know what I'm going to ask you to do. I said, I do. I was like, we're doing a pullout, you want me to describe every Larson goal, don't you? And he went, you man, he's like, I don't know how you did that. That's exactly what I want you to. I was just like, oh no! I said he's no, he's no finished school and he's no left. And he's like, well, it'll be it'll be an ongoing story, you know. And so we got to the end. It was two hundred and forty-two, and you know, it's it, it's there. It's online. You can find it. Mm. And it's goal number one against Berwick Rangers, and you know, and the night he signed it for me, uh, he was sitting beside Alan Stubbs. A table. It was a dinner for Angie, who was a laundry woman who sadly passed away with illness, and Henrik flew over from Sweden to be at this night that they had in their honour. And he was sitting beside Alan Stubbs, and I was sitting beside Des McLean, who plays Bertie Alden, mm-hmm. you know, Bendit Liberty. 
and I've got the pen and I've got the laminated sheets and I'm sitting there and, and I said, ah, I can't, I can't, you know, and, and uh, Des grabbed me, kind of grabbed me and said, Tony, you need to, it's now or never. He says, you will kick yourself. He's like, you know, Alan Stubbs, there's your in. Stubbs, can you introduce me to, and it was like, very much like, at the school disco, will you get after my mate? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this stuff, see, hey, Alan, how you doing? I told you, how are you? Because I knew Alan from a time at Hibs and all that, you know. And then I says, Alan, says, I feel like I'm using you here. I said, but can you introduce me to that guy there? He duly did. And I've got the pen out. And he's just kind of looking. And then I unmasked myself as the author. Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, sign it. He where do you want me to sign it? And he went, see, just give me it. And he started signing them all. And as I walk away, I was like, Alan, thank you so much. He says, I feel really terrible. He's like, no, not at all. He says, you know, and, and Henrik said at the time, his son had read it as a mm-hmm. kid. And he was saying he really liked it. And I think he kept it and all that. And I said, oh, thanks very much. Really kind. And then he starts reading and he starts like saying to Alan Stubbs, he's describing his goals to Alan Stubbs. Right? <laughs> I'm like that. Wow, surreal moment in life, you know. And just with the joy of you know, writing about the club that you support. And as we walk away, <laughs> all I hear is... <laughs> Nick St. Allen, poor Bert Conterman. <laughs> <laughs> and the three of us collapsed, kind of laughing, right? Because he's obviously gone, he's obviously kind of read it and got to, but, and I'm sure I described it as a thing of beauty. Yeah. Anyway, but, you know, and you stuff like that. But it means a lot more when things like that happen. But as I say, when I was, one thing about me, and I tried, certainly in my 21 years, I was always professional, so it didn't matter what club I was covering. Mm-hmm. I always try to arm myself with knowledge and uh, you know you try and bring your A-game as I said to the, the, the students be the best journalist that you can be Not every you can't do it every day but you try, you strive for that mm-hmm. there are days when everybody has off days don't they mm-hmm. And you know but I it didn't matter who I was covering so when people ask me about uh, covering Rangers I was locked in if Rangers won 3 nothing. You know, and what a dominant, you know, rampant Rangers stroll to a 3 0 victory against such and such. You know, you can't write Rangers were jammy. <laughs> Three offside penalties, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like you get hunted, you know. So, yeah, you know, loving proof, you can fool all the people all the time. But I never ever had the fact that I was a Celtic man. Mm. I don't see the need to. No. And I, I've often struggled with this. Uh, you, you are allowed to support one of the big two. doesn't mean that you don't see football objectively as the next person. Well, just because you support Celtic or Rangers doesn't mean your your natural bias is going to be slanted towards your team. I've always tried to call it as I see it, and uh, it served me well. I think it served me well. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, a lot of Celtic supporters have a problem with the fact that you worked for the, the Daily Record for all those years, but I loved it. It, it. it didn't define who I was, but you know, it, it's a one. It was a wonderful place to work, and you know, and as I say, there was a. I I covered the likes of Hearts, Hibs, Kilmarnock, Dundee United, Motherwells of this world, mm-hmm. and every now and again you would get loose on Celtic or Rangers, and I loved those days, and I loved them more when you know you got to write about Celtic, uh, because it is. It's it's and now as I say. 25 years to be an overnight sensation type thing, you know what I mean? It's uh, And there's no better privilege just now doing what I do when it involves the club you love because you, you, your heart and soul are invested in it. You know, your your moods are intrinsically linked with the fortunes of your football club. Yeah. And uh, and every day you're on a podcast, so you have to bring your A-game every day. And it doesn't matter win, lose or draw, you're on there talking about it. And uh, it's just one of the last places you want to be when you lose, you know, 6 now Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Mm. It's the last place you want to be on a, a broadcast talking about stuff like that. But you, it's part of your job. It's part of being a professional. You you front up and you do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I love it. I, the day I don't love it is the day I'll, I'll sit back and I'll, I'll take the dogs out for a walk and stuff and that. And, you yeah. know. Uh, but I, it's... Uh, I've never ever had a problem, Laura, with that side of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, being being a media man and being a Celtic supporter in the media, it's never I've never had any issue with it. Because I, I guess I've never made it an issue, so issues haven't really 
came to my door in that sense. Well, I'm just thankful because, as everybody knows, I like to put up short clips of the live streams after they happen, and you've just given me an excuse to put up one with Henry Larson in the thumbnail. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, Joseph McGonigal says, um, evening, Tony and Laura. Uh, evening, evening to you. Joe. Thank you very much for watching. Uncle Nobby Steamboat, a familiar name from all yes. over the shop, says, uh, I think every fan has at least one memory from meeting a Celtic player. Yeah. It's the treasure and can probably recall every detail. I'll tell you mine of meeting Henry Larson just quickly. So when I was growing up, not to get into too much detail, but um, I had a couple operations on my, my foot when I was growing up. And one of these times uh, I came out of the hospital and as a, a wee treat, my mammy said to me, we'll take you to the Celtic Superstore and we'll get you. Now, my mum had a thing, right, I've got two brothers um, and for the longest time... Um, I was only ever allowed to wear their hand-me-down strips. was never allowed to get one of my own because I think she was thinking maybe I'll grow out of it. I don't know how she thought I was going to grow out of it because she was as Celtic mad as I am. So I, 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 don't, I don't understand where she got that from. But anyway, she says, we'll go to the Celtic Superstore and get you a wee treat. So I was there and uh, came out and it was... Must have been about 90, 98 maybe. Henry Larson still had his dreadlocks anyway. And I was in a wheelchair with a big purple stookie on up to my knee. And uh, my sister says, that's Henry Larson coming out the front doors of Celtic Park. Now, for anybody who's watching this, they know Celtic Park's front doors and the superstore doors are not right next to each other by any manner of means. There's a good maybe 300 yards or something like that between them. Did I let that stop me? Did I? Heck is like, I got up and I bolted and hopped my way across the, the car park <laughs> at Celtic Park. As Just you would. Not, didn't have a bit of paper, didn't have a pen, didn't have anything. And uh, thankfully, because people saw my plight, the sea parted, like the Red Sea. Hmm. And I just ran up and I just went, hi, Henrik. <laughs> and he went, <laughs> Hello, how are you doing? And I says, I'm fine. And that was me. I'd had my I'd had my wee interaction with, with the king and that was me happy. It's all you need, isn't it? You know, it, it means the world to you. You you recount that there with all the you know you you regress into that child, don't you? Mm -hmm. It's just the, these things mean the world to you. You know, it was when you were a kid growing up playing football, Danny McGrain gave me my first ever medal. Uh, and it's just like Danny McLean and there's a picture of me and my brother beside Danny McLean and uh, you know and these you're just in awe of these people you know what I mean I, I remember playing for East Kilbride Select and I stuck the ball through Alan McCoy's legs and I, 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 I <laughs> temporarily retired I was just after Ali had scored the hat-trick against Celtic League Cup final and I didn't want to touch another ball the last thing I did was Meg the guy that scored you know and, and stuff like that and and uh, you know it's just you know, these people mean so much to you because you just you just love the game, you know, and I and I remember uh, and I and I wrote about it in the book as well. I, I've only ever been stopped dead in my tracks by one evening times billboard and it was a David Cooper one. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was for my pal at uni who that was his hero and you know, I I documented it in the book that I wrote the poem to him and I, I posted it. There you go, with no email and all that there, I posted it and you know, three days later or something, he got it and Falker was setting class post. And, you know, two of us were bubbling down the phone. And, you know, he just, it, it, I, just been immersed in football because you're a Celtic supporter. Yeah, that that's fine. That's your team and it'll always be your team. But, you know, just lots of memories about a football just growing up in, in general. And I, I, I maintain to this day that, Cooper's goal in the driver cup final against Celtic's one of the best I've ever seen. Mm, yeah. It's just like it's got that freeze frame, it's got that kind of sepia tinged video footage, you know. And if you can't see that for what it is, then you know, I, I, then fine, maybe it's just me, but you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm that way inclined. And so I was always that way inclined as a journalist when I saw mm. moments of beauty, I was, I was up, I was up off my seat. You know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of stuff and it didn't matter who, who what team it was, you know, you just you just have to sort of admire.
certain things at times, you know. Well, it's funny that you say that and talking about reporting on Rangers and, and being professional about it and things like that. We, we're a pretty level-headed family when it comes to Celtic Rangers, I would say, in, 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 in my household and in, in my household growing up. And, and my dad always says, we always do, we like when we're sitting around the dinner table to do this, these hypothetical football situations. And yeah. one is always, or that always comes up every wee while is, right, ignore the fact that a Rangers player, who's the Rangers player you'd love to have seen play for Celtic? And my dad, without taking a breath, always says, Davy Cooper. Without taking a breath, mine's is always Brian Loudrup. Um, and uh, funnily enough, can I get the Rangers supporters in my life to <laughs> to reciprocate? But um, even though there's some pretty obvious options, but um, my, my own would probably be even though I never seen him, Jim Baxter. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm told he was absolutely sensational. That the early sixties Rangers team, but until he unfortunately got injured, so. But uh, yeah, and I just think Jim Baxter to me is the Celtic equivalent of Bertie Old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. There's Uncle, Uncle Nobby's team saying, I actually got Walter Smith's autograph outside Ibrooks one day, but I ended up giving it to my pal. Haha. <laughs> um, there's lots of stories coming through. Um, people saying they've met Neil Lennon, Bertie Old, Paul McStay. David Mack says, uh, says he met uh, Paul McStay when he was younger. What a legend. It's, it's amazing to have people watching this and they can all name the people they've met. Also, talking of East Co-Bride, um, hmm. I happened to meet the the one and only Enrico Anoni in a car park in East Co-Bride, but we'll not go into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, was... Your words, no mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, just, we'll just take a few minutes. Like We, we could reminisce, we could talk Celtic forever and a day. Um, uh, but we'll do a little five minutes or so before we finish up the show on on current events. One thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, Tony, and as I said before, you can watch on the Celtic Way if you want an expanded version of Tony's thoughts on on daily ongoings at at Celtic Park. I find myself a little bit... I've done it tongue-in-cheek myself on Twitter as well, but I find myself a little bit um, exasperated by the ongoing discussion around... Have we signed anybody yet? Have we signed anybody yet? Where where are they? What are they doing? Who's who's this? Who's that? What's your take on that discussion? I get, I get that there needs to be signings. I get that there needs to be um, outgoings as well as incomings. Actually, on the day we record this, Saint Mirren just announced that that Quan has gone yeah. there for for the rest of the season on loan. So there is much needing to go out the door is coming in, but. Do you think we just need to do we need to exercise a little bit more patience? Do you think people have a point? What where do you stand on it? <laughs> I referenced Samuel Beckett the other day, right? Waiting for Godot on the podcast. Some uh, Hamish Carton and Ryan McGurney's eyes just glazed over. It was like kind of tumbleweed. They were like kind of what? And I was talking about the whole kind of absurdity of it all, where nothing continues to happen, which was the premise of and why are we here, existence, all that kind of stuff. So that was that was why I said it. But I, I think you, you feel like that with the Celtic board sometimes that you're in some kind of absurd tragic comedy or, or kind of you know, you wait for something to happen and nothing ever does. Uh a Samuel Beckett's play. But I, I just think that's because we live in that culture now of immediacy, people want things to happen like that. Mm-hmm. They want to see it happening like that online, they want to be the first to retweet it or you know, that kind of stuff. You know, deals take time. It's a, it's a simple fact of life. All parties have to agree. You know, I, I don't think for a minute that the Celtic board aren't, you know, being diligent or doing, mm-hmm. their, due, doing their due diligence, easy for me to say, in the background and trying to set up deals and get players in. January, as we hear, is a notoriously difficult window to get guys in. doesn't stop them from trying. But I think you just... There's a trust issue with the Celtic board, isn't there? You mm-hmm. just don't trust them. And then and everybody's doing the old, oh, we tried to get it over the line and, you know, we failed, all that kind of stuff. So, But, you know, the links to uh, Nicholas Kuhn seem very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's Thiago Araujo as well. That seemed to be resurrected by Ojogo in Portugal. They were saying that Celtic haven't had contact since November. But they're still weighing up the possibility of four million euros, which is just sort of three million quid 
for the Estoril left back. So I'm encouraged by that, but deals will get done when they get done. Just because you and I are, and lots of Celtic supporters want them to happen tomorrow or tonight or uh, with immediate effect doesn't mean it will happen. It might go down to the wire. And I think it's just that frustration that we all kind of, you know, we're all managers, aren't we? We're all, <laughs> well, we all know we need a left back, we need a striker, we need a defender, we need a midfielder, you know, we need a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you or I can see these things, you know, I'm sure the manager is all over these things and the people that matter. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the, uh, my cause for concern has been the recruitment in recent times. We've been let down by the recruitment. There's one of your recruits, Quan, now on loan at St Martin. Why? Because he's not made the impact that anybody thought he would make. So- I have to, I have to say, and this is the thoughts of, of, of me and thoughts on the hoops alone, this is not a reflection on my guest or anybody else. I saw Quan play in the Athletic Bilbao um, uh, James Forrest testimonial and it was it was poor to say the least it was poor to say the least and I'm not saying that he can't improve and I'm not saying he can't be coached but it was like the way I described it because it was my sister I was there with the way I described it was I don't know if you remember a few years ago Gerard Butler was up front with Henry Larson <laughs> in, in one of these charity matches yeah. It was. It was. It's one of these situations when, when you see a non-footballer on a pitch where you expect to see a footballer, you realise just how good footballers are. <laughs> and Quan unfortunately made everybody around him look better, but in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys in the group chat's a, a St Mirren fan, and he was asking thoughts on Quan. And I said on the podcast the other week, I described Dyson and Maida as Edward Scissors' feet. And he had two left feet on and they were both the wrong way around. <laughs> Flippantly, right? And I said, well, Quan's worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his reaction as well. <laughs> like, about 20 laughing emojis. And then one of the guys said his first game's against Rangers. And I went, get a fortune on up my score. Oh, yeah, I- Right, another guy said, or or get sent off, you know. So I and I was being flippant about Dyson Maida because I was uh, countering that with the fact that he looks like that some days, and then other days he looks absolutely unplayable, and he's terrific and he's brilliant. So that was kind of where that came in. But the hashtag Edward Scissors feet started to kind of trend amongst the boys, that kind of stuff. So I was, uh, yeah, but yeah, listen. Quan's out on loan for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's not alone, and he shouldn't be alone in, in going out on loan or, you know, on permanent transfer. Some Celtic need to get rid of quite a lot, but that's my main issue with Celtic at the minute. And I have every faith in the manager to get the quality in that he seeks and that he craves. I'll leave that in his capable hands, but he has to be hands-on with us, Laura. He yeah. really does. He cannot be accepting... I hate using the word project players. I just hate that kind of hope. But mm. Brendan Rodgers has to be all over this window and getting in the guys that he wants, that he's identified, that can make a difference to this club, that are oven-ready first-team players and can go straight in and hit the ground running. And um, I'm hopeful that that happens before the end of January. I'm hopeful as well, and we will wait and see um, exactly what becomes of it. We have Bucky Thistle coming up in the Scottish Cup before we get back into the league action, and hopefully that's... I was about to say, with with no disrespect intended to our opponents, and then I was going to say something incredibly disrespectful to our opponents, but uh, you would hope that it's a, a good way to get back up and running after that um, decent end to things before the, before the, um, before yeah. the winter break happened. Well, I want a, to quote my phrase, I want a rip-roaring free-scoring never boring Celtic against Bucky Thistle. I really do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but these things go two ways, don't they? You either register the, the, the what's the stock phrase, the cricket score that people think it will be, or it's a tight one. You know, people, you spoke about the 1988 team, they squeaked through 1-0 against Stranraer mm-hmm. in the early mm-hmm. rounds of the Cup and a guy called Bruce Cleland. I still remember his name, missed a penalty and he missed an open goal 
and he was emigrating to Australia, I think that very night or that very weekend, that could have knocked Celtic out. You know, and and uh, you know, you always remember those those tight ones, you know, and Celtic really could have got I think McAvenny scored very early. Mm-hmm. It was a dreadful football match. And uh, you know, so I think uh, you know, these games can go one of two ways. And uh, you know, and I think it's the most patronising thing ever. Oh, Bucky can come and enjoy their day. They'll not enjoy their day if they get an Inverness clack in the cudden. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but I I expect nothing less from Celtic. I want the pedal to the metal. And, you know, and if Bucky Thistle, uh, you know, happen to get in their way, then you put them to the sword. That's what you do to to teams that are, are, are non-league. You know, I don't play in there as, as high a league as yourself. So, I'm fully expecting Celtic with a couple of new players as well to come out all guns blazing and really do hit them for whatever. I, I even referenced the Celtic Inverness Thistle game as well this morning. Celtic won 6 nothing. Mm-hmm. Paul McStay scored his only ever hat trick for Celtic. 1985, early rounds of the Scottish Cup. Les Fridge was playing for Inverness Thistle in goal. That's how old I am, Laura, you know. And uh, I was at that freezing day, it was in February, I think, 85. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I, don't, I want Celtic to continue that good form that they showed in those four games, but I really want them to have a push now. Two cups are available to Celtic now, the Scottish Cup and the league. Go and win them, and go and win them with a bit of style as well. Totally agree, totally agree, and hopefully that's what we're talking about in a few weeks' time. Um, thank you very much, everybody, in the comments. Uh, I'll just read out a couple more before we finish up. Um, Ian McIntosh, he, he thinks this one has become hidden by the, the comments that have come after, but I'm just going to expose him here. So Ian McIntosh says, spent an hour with Finn Bronckhorst through my work, and honestly, he's a gentleman and very cool. A uh, good friend of Henry Larson, so obviously that's uh, yes, that's, that's that's very true. Yeah, so that's not to be um not to be dismissed. And then uh, Big Red says the obvious, oh no, that's an Oni on and Onu, which is uh, yeah, somebody has to say it when you mention an Oni's name. And the last one from Uncle Nobby Steamboat, I I don't I don't actually know what he means by this one, but I'll, I'll read it out anyway. He says um. No joke, spoke to Gerard Butler that day at Pitchside, asked if he'd scored today, he said, I might score tonight. No joke. <laughs> Don't know what he could be talking about. Don't know what he could be talking about. But thanks, everybody, for your comments. Um, As I said before, you can catch up with Tony uh, on the Celtic Way YouTube channel, which will be linked in the description of this video. You can go over and... um, You can subscribe to the website where you get written pieces from Tony, from Ryan McGinley, from Hamish Carton, from... A plethora of, of excellent writers and content creators over there, uh, all Celtic focused, which I know everybody will want to do. Um, and also, I'm going to put a link in the description to Tony's first and second books, uh, which you can still buy. I'm, I'm sure, Tony, they're still available. Oh, they're still available on Amazon. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for that. Appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make sure the the pile in your back room goes down a wee bit. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I did have a pile in my back room, but I don't anymore, so I need to get more author copies. I, I, you know, that kind of, you know, buy the books, but I end up giving some away because I always used to keep a stash and then give them away, but it's, it's well, if you can if you can help Tony out and buy one of his books just so that because uh, <laughs> he's got an excuse to get more in, that would be fantastic. Thanks very can. much, everybody, for watching. Thank you so much, Tony, for joining me today. This has been Thoughts in the Hoops, and we will see you again next Friday. <laughs>